Hey guys, it's me, John Venegas. Welcome back to the Infinite Canvas Podcast. I just want to give some really quick announcements before we begin. First, our show is also on iTunes, so if you could listen to it there as the primary way of listening to us, it would be fantastic, and leave us a rating. I just want to let you guys know really quick, we do have to come up with uh, new ideas every week, and that is a daunting task for us considering we do have things to do outside of the show. Now, we hope that you guys will understand, but we're going to be updating every other Tuesday from now on. So the next episode will be uploaded on November 28th, and we really do hope that you guys understand. Also wanted to remind you guys that you can also follow us on social media. You can follow us at SciStar Comics or CanvasCast on uh, Twitter, or our Facebook page, SciStar Entertainment. The Unknown. We always try to understand what we can't, and in doing so, we create ways to cope with mysteries. The ancients created their own pantheons to understand nature. The modern day has brought us science. Mythology has guided and shaped Western storytelling ever since it has existed. Our fascination with the hero's journey and gods of yesteryear have brought us characters like Marvel's Thor or Star Wars' Luke Skywalker. It has even inspired new mythologies like those of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings or H.P. Lovecraft's Mythos. Core aspects of these stories are archetypical and will always remain unchanged, but new storytellers recreate them, bringing in their own sparks of inspiration and their own experiences. This week on the Infinite Canvas, John and David try to reinterpret some old myths. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Infinite Canvas podcast. I am John Venegas. And I'm David Foz. And uh, as promised, we are here today with our mythological figures. Uh, last week we were uh, given the challenge of coming up with our own versions of what we would consider like a Thor kind of character, uh, a character who is from another mythology, foreign to the mm-hmm. one that we acknowledge, like foreign to the ones that we're comfortable with, the ones that we all acknowledge, uh, a la the Norse gods, the Greek gods, Egyptian gods, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and we wanted to kind of bring them to life in a new, different way, and. David, if you want to tell us who you picked, I wouldn't be uh, offended at all by hearing what you got. <laughs> um. Okay, I went pretty. Um. I hope I hope it's pretty out there from what I picked. Um. I decided to stay in our neck of the woods, I guess, or at least in our side of the hemisphere, and I went with uh our good friends, the Aztecs. I oh, chose. Nice. Yeah, I chose an Aztec Some familiarity. Uh, yes. Um, I had I had no clue how to pronounce this name. Is, but, does it have uh, 13 letters and like three Qs? Uh, no. It has, I think, like 20 letters and no Qs. But, um, no, good. I mean, thank God that um, Wikipedia had a pronunciation uh, clip on there. So, according to Wikipedia, the god I chose is pronounced Witsilopuchtli, Witsilopuchtli, I think. I hope you gave it an abbreviation. (laughs) I'm not saying that. No no offense um, to the Aztecs. I can't say that. Don't offend all those Aztecs out there. Oof. Um, But, no, yeah, I gave them... A, I did give him a, na- a different name, uh, totally mm-hmm. different. It's based off the name he was given, 
But uh, it is, yeah, it's completely different from this. But yes, that is who I chose. The Aztec god uh, Huitzilopochtli. Which is the sun, I mean, which is the god of the sun and human sacrifice. Okay, okay, weird mix, but sure. <laughs> uh, they but... have very little gods, but the gods they do have are gods of multiple things that don't have anything related to each other. So, that's okay. It's very confusing, but yeah. yes, I'm sorry. There's also the god of oak trees and thunder. I mean, some of the things aren't really related. Yeah, thunder strikes trees. Duh. Okay, that's. I guess that's close. <laughs> okay. Um, now I I stuck around with uh, I picked a god. Well, I didn't pick a god per se. Um, so the story that I wanted to tell kind of has two parts, so it requires the telling of the story of two characters, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're related. Uh, one is the uh, the child of the other one. And so then I felt like their stories really needed to be told together for this particular interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. So for the god character, I chose Ninsum. And I'm gonna, I don't know that's how you pronounce it, but I believe that's how you say it. Ninsum. Uh, she is a um, Babylonian or Akkadian uh, goddess. Uh, how, whatever you want to say. I, uh, I'm i going to go with uh, Babylonian. Okay. And in turn, uh, the thing is, though, is that Ninsun is a goddess. She is the, uh, she was known as the Lady of the Wild Cows. Wild uh, cows? Yeah. Yeah. As in, moo cows? No, the thing is, though, that's not her, that's not her patronage. That's just okay. what she's known as. Okay. Uh, far as I can tell, she's not a patron goddess of anything. She's just kind of like the, the mother of a god. Uh, the mother of somebody else is important. Uh, okay. And so I kind of wanted to play her up as being more important. Uh, and then I picked her son as the like the focal point for the story. You know, they're, they're both focal points, but they play off each other. Uh, her okay. son, Gilg- uh, Her son, Gilgamesh. And I know that a lot of people are familiar with Gilgamesh. Yeah, that uh, sounds very familiar to me. Yeah. He is actually... In mythology, he is one-third human and two-thirds god. In my interpretation, he's just human. So, <laughs> Okay. That's the thing. So, my character, he doesn't transform or anything. He's not like Thor. Uh, and I'm talking like pre-MCU Thor, where mm-hmm. he, uh, he has to like drop a cane or whatever and turns into Thor. And, you know, the cane turns into Mjolnir. Uh, I don't have that. Yes. But uh, if you want to, you uh, do you want to hear a little bit more about uh, Gilgamesh and uh, Ninsun and my interpretation of the mythology? Um, okay, quick thing Since before already... you do. Um, how much of this is based off the true, I guess, truest source material, and how much of this is like completely made up? Uh, okay, so beat per beat, I wanted to go off of the source material. For me, it was more of a reinterpretation of how the story was told and uh, changing perspectives. Okay. The story of, uh, of Nin- Ninsun doesn't really have any stories. She's kind of usually just a wise old mother figure. Uh, she's always kind of portrayed that way, where she doesn't really take part in the stories. She's kind of like, just like the mom character in the background. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Gilgamesh had to get his godly power from somewhere, so he had to have a god 
godfather. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I kind of want to, like, yin-yang this when it comes to the story. So, uh, mm -hmm. if this became a thing, I would want it to be kind of done as, like, two graphic novels. Uh, okay. Where each book, it's two books, each book tackles that character's story. So, it's kind of like how It, the movies, and the book, I guess, uh, how It kind of uh, tells the same story, but from two different time periods. And unlike mm -hmm. it, I don't want to bounce back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because that's confusing. <laughs> I wanted to do it yeah. where it's just all in the past, we're done, all in the, well, it's not present, uh, and we're done. Which, now mm -hmm. that I brought that up, I kind of have to mention that the both stories take place in the past, our past at least. Alright, so the way it works is the, the gods are... Uh, the, uh, I'm just gonna ask you a really quick question. In your in your interpretation of your uh, story, are the gods magic or are the gods sci-fi? Sci um, if I'm gonna choose between both, they're they're magic. Okay. Now I only ask that because and I know I know a lot of you guys out there might not be familiar with this because you guys are just now hearing us. Uh, <laughs> David really likes fantasy. <laughs> if it is any indication from our last episode. When we were discussing our favorite movies. Uh, his favorite series is Lord of the Rings, whereas mine is Back to the Future. Now, as you can see here, that uh, David's, uh, when David writes stories, uh, whenever we come up with ideas, he tends to have very fantastical ideas. Whereas I like to gr uh, root mine in sci-fi because I kind of want to imagine that this technology can exist someday in our future. Now, uh, when I write things, they tend to be science fantasy. So there's still like a... Uh, a realm of uh, of aura and mystery, and I kind of try my best to like explain that mystery, uh, but still leave some things vague for interpretation. Mm -hmm. All right. So the Anunnaki are uh, are the uh, the uh, gods that I chose for this. Now they're not gods uh, in the traditional sense; they're more like um, like the gods in uh, the MCU. They're they're just another species. They're just okay advanced. Uh, compared to humans. Now, I, I really liked this idea where the Anunnaki would be more or less machines compared to us. Because that's mm -hmm. what they are. They're machines at this point. They evolved to the point where they can separate their souls from their bodies. Uh, now, when I say souls, I, do, uh, I don't mean like the literal soul because in this universe, I'm assuming that the soul doesn't exist. I'm kind of extracting the supernatural from this. When I say okay. soul, I mean mental energy, like uh, the processes of your mind. They're transferred, copied into a machine. Now, by technicality, you have died and you're making a copy of yourself. Uh, but it's still you. Like, it's the essence of you. And um, um, what's up? I was going to say, I, I know many people say that they are one and the same. But wouldn't that rather be the consciousness rather than the soul? Yeah, no, that's what it is. It's just your conscious mind. Um, now, I'm not going to go into debate over the theology of the real world. Um, but for the sake of this story, it's just all uh, its all in your noggin. Uh, that's where your soul is. I'm sorry. Not going to offend anyone with that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's my interpretation. If you want to believe there's a soul and that the soul is being ripped out, go for it. That's basically <laughs> the same thing that's going on. It's just your soul is in your head. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in your brain. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
okay. tomato, tomato. Now, uh, now this sets up the story. Actually, the whole idea of how the Anunnaki are made actually sets up the whole arc for how everything goes. Now, the way an Anunnaki is created, and I mean their mechanical bodies, is their uh, their minds are separated from their bodies and placed into machines. Now, the process of doing this uh, involves a creature known as the Deluge. The Deluge is mm-hmm. uh, what can be described as how humans have uh, cattle, you know, like, uh, not cattle, but like, how humans have their, their uh, big, tough uh, animals. The same can yeah. be said for the Deluge. The Deluge is another species, but from the Anunnaki homeworld. Uh, mm-hmm. Deluge, the way they uh, the way they operate is in the same way as like a squid kind of like lets out ink. Mm-hmm. Uh, ink is sent out as a defense mechanism, and it blinds whoever it hits. It creates a smoke screen. The Deluge uh, does something different. It actually emits a psychic field of energy. And, uh, okay. by the way, those of you at home listening, psychic... Uh, is a sci-fi way of saying magic, by the way, because uh, obviously it's not real, but it's our way of, of still having magic, but making it sound real. Um, yeah. Uh, it unleashes a psychic field of energy, and what it does is it separates the soul from the body. Now, the problem with the Deluge is that they're, when they were on the homeworld of Nemesis, they they operate in a vast field, and their uh, field of influence is massive. Uh, mm-hmm. As large as, like, a continent, basically. Now, their their homeworld is huge. It's several times larger than the Earth. But uh, for the Deluge, there are not very many of them, but they operate in this vast area. So for the most part, they're kind of unknown, and they're kind of like in the Badlands. Now, the Anunnaki have found a way to harness this power by locking them up inside of a chamber. And if your will is strong enough, you, if you enter the chamber, your soul is ripped out, and it can be harnessed. Now, the only problem is, is if your soul is not strong enough, it will disintegrate. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's uh, what's uh, kind of being used here as the catalyst for the story. Now, uh, I don't want to go too much into the story, because I think we wanted to talk more, more about the characters. Now, uh, mm-hmm. for the Anunnaki, they're considered vastly intelligent, uh, superior to us basically in every way. Uh, their bodies uh, appear as machines, but since humanity didn't know what machines were back in BC and ta- the BC era, kind of just interpreted them as you know otherworldly and gods. Uh, that's a way of explaining how like we always describe the gods as like giving off an aura of light because the machines literally yeah. literally had light emitting from them and were very reflective. And I actually like that mm-hmm. idea because if you ever look up some um, uh, Middle Eastern uh, deities and see how they're drawn. They're usually kind of flat, kind of like how Egyptians are, like the Egyptian gods are flat. And they seem to appear human, but there's still something off about them. They, you know, and I thought that would be kind of cool. Uh, their appearance, I thought, would be uh, like their armor is uh, decorate, uh, decorative, it's embedded with like, uh, like gold and stuff. And that's what inspired humans to kind of like, you know, get gold. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, this stuff is is of the gods, you know? We want to dress like them. They're uh, right underneath the where you would say the mouth is. There's like this pattern that emerges. It's kind of like a net. Uh, humans try to emulate that, and which is why they have like like the uh, braided beards. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, enro- uh, enroped with gold chains and stuff, you know. 
And that's where I uh, thought it would be kind of cool to have that interpretation. It just they're they're trying to emulate the designs of the gods, and uh, one one human uh, doesn't actually worship them. She sees them for what mm-hmm. they are. And they are just frauds. They are only machines that have come down from the heavens in order to steal our resources. Uh, this human being mm-hmm. is Ninsun, uh, who, if uh, you might have heard me earlier say, is a, a god, goddess. Uh, she's not a yeah. goddess yet. She's a human being. Okay. But in your world, the other gods are machine. Yes, they appear as machines. So they appear machine, but they're not machines. Okay, no, they are, you could say they are uh, gods and machines. Like, the uh, they are the souls... Oper- they're, they're natural souls, but mm-hmm. they operate on machines. Uh, if they were okay. removed from the machine, they would wither away. There is no... I'm assuming there is no afterlife in this world. Like, I, I, I don't know if there actually is or not, but in this world, for the most part, if your soul is destroyed or ripped away, you just disintegrate and enter the void. There is nothing after that. And so then the okay. Anunnaki found a way to like kind of divert that. Um... For the most part, they're immortal because as long as they're near the home base, when their soul is destroyed, they can ju- they just get sent back to the home base. Yeah, uh, which is why humans kind of interpret gods as immortal because they basically are compared to humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this time, Ninsun didn't know what machines were because humanity didn't know what machines were. And the thing about that is that she has no way of like convincing the other human beings. That that uh, the Anunnaki are not who they say they are. Uh, what mm-hmm. contributes to this is that her personality kind of doesn't help. She's kind of a douchebag. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, if you ever meet somebody who's an atheist, they tend to be, uh, when they have just just become atheists, they tend to be kind of, I can, I want to say jerks, kind of obnoxious, and I'm kind of going off of that for Ninsun, where <laughs> that's, that's how she is. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of obnoxious, she feels like she knows everything, that's the kind of person she is, she's young at this point, she's like a young adult. Um, mm-hmm. She's very intelligent, there's no debate that she's the smartest person of her tribe, she's very intuitive, very skeptical, and mm-hmm. uh, just does not, just does not like the Anunnaki. Uh, she just doesn't trust them because she sees them for what they are. They're naturally occurring things. She just doesn't know how to explain it. And that's the problem with trying to explain something that you can see is not true, but everyone else yeah. doesn't see it. They see the illusion because humans are impressionable. They can they are they are very easily convinced with magic tricks. Yeah, that's uh, that's why everyone loves magic. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like a magic trick? But Ninsun's not satisfied with that. She wants to know how the magic works. <laughs> uh, the gods are not very happy with her because she's very pestering. She's She tends to get out of her way to go see the gods. And, you know, for the most part, some of the gods are kind of cool with her. Uh, there's a god, Anu. Anu is pretty chill with her. Uh, in mythology, Anu, I believe, is her father. Uh, Anu is not her father in this interpretation. He's just another god. Now, here's the thing. is because I kind of wanted to go off of the whole humanity tends to uh, kind of venerate their dead to the point where they become gods or uh, two seemingly unconnected things are connected. 
and that's a common theme in mythology. Like, uh, there's a theory that says that Zeus was a real human man that was just venerated years and years and years and years and years. And since humans didn't have a way of writing, uh, they were just stories. And eventually, Zeus just became a god. And then he didn't just become a god, he became the king of the gods. And there's this asshole mm-hmm. out there who lived a long time ago named Zeus who would just go around and have a bunch of kids and he's a god now. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just, uh, this kind of reminds me of the Hercules movie with The Rock. Mm-hmm. If you remember that. If, if I remember correctly, that was the same premise there where they were just coming up with stories uh, of Hercules Rock doing all these... Um, Doing the chores he he was tasked to do, like in the legends, but they all turn out to be just fate, just all story. And uh, yeah, I, I always thought that was funny from the movie. But I like how you took inspiration. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I have not, not. seen this movie. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I just like those two little connections because I love that part or that idea in the movie, and that's why I'm kind of liking this too. Um, Sorry, you may continue. Oh no, it's good. It's good. I like this uh, comparisons to other things. It's it's always good to either influence <laughs> things away from things or influence them towards things, or just acknowledging the influences, uh, not the parallels to other things. Okay, so uh, Ninsun has her story arc. Um, I don't know if we, if uh, we wanted to touch on that uh, at some other time or if you wanted to do that now. Um, I don't know if you mind if I can like very briefly give her story arc. Oh no, go for it. Okay. I mean, that, that's what pretty much I prepared for mine. Mostly is a story arc with a little bit of a backstory, but okay. yeah, you go for it. Uh, for uh, Here's the thing, though. For Gilgamesh's arc, if anybody knows the Epic of Gilgamesh, it's basically that. <laughs> uh, I kind of wanted to tell an Insune story, uh, but I kind of uh, I also wanted to tie it in with Gilgamesh's story. Just because the way I interpreted Gilgamesh is kind of badass, and I really, really liked it. Um... Mm-hmm. So for Ninsun, her story arc uh, becomes one of she's trying to disprove the existence of the Anunnaki, or not the existence, but she's trying to disprove that they are uh, holy. She wants to prove that they are natural and that they are from another world. They're demons, essentially. Now she's mm-hmm. not going to outright say demons uh, because she doesn't really think that. She just like in their limited terminology, she would describe them as demons. Because what mm-hmm. are they doing? They're just taking our shit. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're not offering just, anything. Just trying to prove that they're liars. Yeah, they're, she's just trying to prove that they're just... And here's the thing. And uh, <laughs> I know that, uh, that somebody might find this as an influence. And I realize this now. So I'm going to mention it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like how... Um, it's like a colonialism thing. Uh, think of like... Uh, oh god! Now that I know that I now now that I know there's a parallel to it, it's gonna I'm gonna hate saying this. Think of Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. It's a bunch of people mm-hmm. who are superior or think they're superior show up and then try to take everything and conquer. And they're like, "Oh, the people here are stupid, anyways. It's it's not mm-hmm. like they can fight back. We have lasers." Um. <laughs> They're beyond lasers at this point. <laughs> yeah. They have, like... They basically just have cannons that can, like, shoot, like, freaking sound bear, Like, sound. Like, that's probably more useful yeah. than a laser. Because you can kill more with that. Mm-hmm. 
And then if you don't kill somebody, now they're deaf. It's a win-win. Uh, <laughs> sure. Now, for her, she wanted to disprove uh, that. And she kind of got a lot of people on board. Uh, now, there's a lot of humans out there who really, really, really hate the uh, Anunnaki. They're trying to fight back. And now there's these civil, uh, like little civil discourses uh, where, you know, within the same tribe, uh, people are killing each other in the name of the gods. And, um, mm-hmm. some of them are just kind of, you know, not, not digging it. Now, what they've done is there's a group of them that are, that have, uh, created a secret plan. Now they mm-hmm. haven't told anybody else about this. And, uh, I know you're going to hate me for saying this because, uh, we actually talked a little bit about this for a different comic idea that we had where, yes. um, the gods, Enlil, Ninurta, Enugi, and Enki have decided to open up the chambers for the deluge and throw it out into the ocean. And what it would do is it would unleash its energy across the entire continent and flood everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Now... (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Humans aren't don't have enough willpower to fight back against the deluge, so their souls will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so then mm-hmm. Enki decides, you know, all the not all the humans are that bad. Uh, I mean, we're only getting rid of them so we can take their resources, anyways. We just we just <laughs> okay. kind of want to get them out of the way so that we can we don't have to feel so bad about it. And here's the thing: these gods are doing this in secret and making it look like an accident. So the only guilt will be on them. The other gods, the other Anunnaki, will be like, oh, what a tragedy. It just happened, you know? We'll be more careful next time. But for this mm-hmm. uh, for this group, they're just like, no, this is totally a legit thing we're trying to do. And so then um, uh, Enki, at this point, actually, uh, he's not one of the ones that, uh, that decides to do it. He actually hears about this and threatens to tell the others. The other Anunnaki uh, basically hold him uh, a gunpoint and they're just like, I mean, you could tell everybody, or you could keep this hush-hush between us. Uh, and so then he's mm-hmm. kind of forced to go along with it. And he decides to uh, have his ho- his own little secret plan and uh, creates uh, a lifeboat where he's going to go find the very best humans and put them on there. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, <laughs> it's an arc. Uh, it's, 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 it's an arc. It's what it is. Uh, so he goes to find a couple of humans. Uh, he puts on Utnapishtim, uh, who is, uh, in Gilgamesh's story. Uh, in this version of it, Utnapishtim is kind of, uh, kiss-ass? He is a, he's a kiss-ass. He is very like, oh, "Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes, I agree. You gods, I'm making you sound like John Oliver. (laughs) Yes, yes, very well. Mm -hmm. It's like, you gods are very, very, very great. Uh, uh, Yes, you you are magnificent. We adore you. Uh, We'll do anything you say. I just want to live. (laughs) Uh, He's that kind of person. Uh, And so uh, for this story, I kind of had him and uh, Ninsun on the ship together. And so it's like this mm-hmm. competent, like, um, an Insune is a very competent person, very knowledgeable. She knows what she's doing. She doesn't want to get on the ship at first, but Una pitched him and she's like, you know, she's not that bad. I mean, we could totally have her on here. I mean, it's not just going to mm-hmm. kill you all in, or anything. She's kind of just a human. And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so then both of them are on the ship. There's a couple of other people. Una pitched him, uh, brought his wife, um, and like a bunch of 
other people. And uh, Enki kind of just throws him out. And then the deluge is activated. Uh, and its power is so great that it just starts killing people. And it kind of moves around the ocean at some point. Uh, and, you know, it affects water. And it, it basically just floods everything. Literally and metaphorically. It floods everyone's minds. <laughs> and it floods the entire continent. And uh, okay. that, explains the, that explains the flood. It's the deluge. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, just means flood. Uh, if it wasn't obvious to anybody who knew what it was called, they should have seen that coming. Uh, and so then, <laughs> at this point of the story, it actually becomes a horror story, kind of, where they're on the ship. And the way that the deluge uh, stops is if it's starved. If it starves itself, uh, uh, not starves, but it, like if it doesn't sense any danger, it'll stop. So, yeah. it, if it doesn't sense any psychic energy, it'll just stop. If it senses that the psychic energy around it is not hostile, it'll also stop. Uh, it's not stupid. It'll stop at some point. And the thing is, mm-hmm. is it eventually kind of calms down. And then it notices the ship. It notices the arc. It's just floating. And it knows that that arc comes from the main ship. So it tries to destroy it. And so the ship is designed to keep the people mm-hmm. inside safe. But now it's actually like going around and like trying to like poke in and destroy it. And uh, I don't want to give away how it ends there because that's like the, that's like the big part of the story where he, like we kind of see how Nin soon convinces the humans to kind of like work with her and stuff. Unipishtim kind of like mans up a little bit. He's not just uh, a yes man. He tries to do something on his own for once. And they all kind of uh, they they all kind of do their thing. Now, spoiler alert: they do uh, at least for the very least. Unipishtim, uh, his wife, and Nin soon survive. Uh, because they kind of have to be in Gilgamesh's story. Uh, and the gods uh, mm-hmm. basically grant immortality to Unapishtim and his wife. Uh, at first, they didn't want to give it to Ninsun because they didn't want her to give her credit for what she did. Uh, but Anu uh, decides to uh, do so. And when I say immortality, I mean rip their souls out of their bodies and put them in a robot. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only, yeah, that's the answer. Be a robot. Be a robot. Uh, and that explains how they have godhood status. Well, uh, technically only Ninsun has godhood status. Uh, Unapishtim and his wife are just, um, they kind of just roam the world. It was their reward, but they soon learn it's actually not a reward. It's more of a punishment. Not a punishment, but a curse. And mm-hmm. uh, in Gilgamesh's story, he starts off as an asshole. He, he has everything he wants. Now here's the thing. For Ninsun, it was a story of uh, of rags to riches, basically. She started off at the very bottom, made herself all the way up to the top. For Gilgamesh, it's a story of privilege, of having everything that you want at all times, and how it affects other people. How mm-hmm. you take what you want from others who don't have much. Uh, that's the kind of person he is. Um... Now, uh, I'm gonna, uh, I've am gonna. i been rambling on for too long, so I'm just going to kind of like, because uh, I want you to have a turn. Uh, for Gilgamesh, really well, quickly, I was going to say, was he supposed to be like a Robin Hood? What's that? Is he like a Robin Hood then? Like, take from the rich, or it doesn't matter oh, who no, he takes from? Oh, no, he doesn't give a shit who takes from. It's, it's his. It's like, uh, the best way to describe it is like Cusco <laughs> from Emperor's New Groove. It's like, it's all mine! It's all mine! <laughs> um, that's how he is. Uh, so if it isn't obvious, his story yeah. arc is basically like learning not to be a dick. Um, <laughs> uh, he has everything, but he, there's one thing he can't have, and you know what that probably is? Love. 
Well, yeah, friendship, but uh, like true friendship. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about love. Uh, you know, actual like in his story, the gods kind of like get fed up with him. But it's actually humans that get fed up with him, and they tattletale to the gods and like, "Can you kill this guy for us, please?" And they're like, "We're too busy for that. Uh, uh, let's just go make something in our lab really quick." And they just kind of like just make another Gilgamesh essentially, his counterpart, yeah. the Vegeta to his Goku. Uh, which is what it is. <laughs> uh, so I'm not making this up uh, because I'm just going beat for beat from this story. Uh, now tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, the new guy, his name is Enkidu, is tasked with killing Gilgamesh. He goes down mm-hmm. there and they find out that they're equals. And then Gilgamesh is like, man, we're, you're really strong. You know that? It's like, yeah, I know I work out. Uh, hey, dude, like we're tied. Yeah, I know. Like, you can't kill me. No, I, I probably can't. And I can't kill you. Oh, definitely not. How about we become <laughs> bros instead? Oh, heck yeah. And they just become best friends instead. Um, Now, the, the, the way I wanted to see Gilgamesh is I actually kind of wanted to see him with, like, he's a human being, but uh, he, uh, because his mom is Anunnaki, she kind of, like, figured out a couple of different things with the tech. Because her, her her mind has basically accelerated in thinking. And he has this really cool, like, tech. Um, now, basically, every time they ever say the word stones in the original text, I'm just, like, interpreting that as Anunnaki tech. Because there's a guy who's, like, he has magnificent stones and, like, he's, like, a ship crafter to go find Unapishtim. Yeah, that's just a spaceship guy. Like, he makes spaceships. Now, uh, for Gilgamesh, his main thing is he has these boots. Uh, the boots that he wears are, uh, in the, the, he didn't have like special boots in the original version. I kind of gave them to him because in the original version, uh, at some point he went underwater and, uh, he had to go to the bottom. Now in order to get down there, what he did is he tied some stones to his feet and he just jumped in there. Uh, so that the stones would drag him all the way down. And I thought it would be cool if going off of the whole stones or tech thing, that the stones are actually boots. They're, uh... They're boots that can change the density of whoever wears them so that he can, A, be really, really heavy, or B, be very, very light. Uh, and so then it's kind of like combining Hercules, like the Herculean kind of characters. He's like peak physical condition. He's like the best human a yeah. human can be. And kind of like mixing him in with Vision, where like he can just change his density at will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and... First, they said he's gonna be Zelda. What's up? I mean, sorry, Link. Oh I boy, they really have him be Link because <laughs> he has the heavy boots where he sinks, and then he can just take them off and float. Yeah, uh, they're, I mean... they're, it's like that, but with a setting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there's that. Uh, his his goal is to gain immortality. Uh, mm-hmm. And so then they tell him, it's like, you know, a long time ago, there was this thing that tried to kill us all. And what it did was it rips your soul out and it puts it in a robot. And they're like, hmm, that sounds really interesting. I think I want that. <laughs> and his mm-hmm. mom is just like, no, Gilgamesh, don't do that. And he's like, mom, <laughs> I know you want to stop me. And I know that you and I want you to know this. You can't stop me. And she's like, I know I can't stop you. So fine. Do what you want. I'm not going to stop you. But you're going to learn that no matter what you do, it's not going to work. And he's like, 
mom. <laughs> um, and so then he tries to go get immortality, and in the process, uh, Enkidu dies. Uh, he gets killed, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know he mourns, and he's just like, "Oh shit, um, that's not good." Um, yeah, I'm I'm still gonna get the immortality thing though, uh, and so then um, uh, he he kind of he he goes through a rage and ends up like breaking a bunch of shit. And then he decides he's going to go find Udapishtim, who supposedly has the last part of the deluge that was destroyed. And uh, he goes to find him. Uh, turns out that, hey, um, immortality's bad, dude. And then uh, mm-hmm. it's like, I've lived for thousands of years, and it's absolute shit. I wish I could die, but suicide's not an option. Uh, just, like, <laughs> destroy my body, and my soul just pops back up on that ship, and it just over and over and over again. I'm asked to turn it off, but apparently I can't do that. Um, and so then he's like, okay, um, look, I know what you're saying. I know that you're trying to dissuade me from being immortal, but I still want it. And then he's just like, mm-hmm. fine, I know I can't stop you. Just take the damn thing. And then he's just like, yes, it's at the bottom of the ocean. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he, he eventually gets it, but it doesn't work the way he thinks it works. And eventually mm-hmm. loses it. Um, yeah, bummer. He learns to live his life and then dies. Uh, of old age. <laughs> of old age. He's fine. He'll yeah, be really old. How ironic. Day. I mean, it's it's a downer, but he learns to accept yeah. his fate. You know, that's like the crux of humanity. And I think yeah. that's what I wanted to tell. It's like, that's the reason I wanted to tell both stories. Because I wanted it to show that you can be optimistic, right? You can... You can have you you can learn to grow and learn to uh, be what you want. You know, like the, the the gushy gushy thing where it's like you can be whatever you want to be, which is Ninsun's story. Yeah, but I also want people to know that they also have their limits. You know, uh, and you can't have everything you want, which is why I wanted Gilgamesh's story to be told right after Ninsun's because I wanted both stories to be told together. You can't have one mm-hmm. without the other. You gotta be optimistic and realistic. You can't just be one or the other. Now, I don't have a pessimistic story, but, you know... <laughs> if yeah. I'm not doing a third part, I'm sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right. I rambled on for way too long. It is your it's turn. It's all good. I want to hear what you gotta say. Oh. It is my turn, isn't it? God. Well... Um, at least for my character, I chose, um, I'm mostly stuck to the, uh, I wanted to have the, the first issue, you know, the attention grabber so that, you know, whenever you walk into the comic book store or something and you to see this book on there, I want to be able to grab you with that first book or the first, the first right. comic. So I, I just, I just stuck to that one issue. All this information I'm going to go over would not be technically in that first issue. You'll slowly, slowly gain that. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the complete backstory and then I'll go ahead and to the idea for my first issue here. So, like I said, the god I chose was an Aztec god called, uh, Lopuchli, I think. I did not want to say that over and over again. So I called him Torch. Okay. The reason, yeah, the reason I specifically chose Torch was because this god uh, translated his name is called the Left Hand, 
and Hummingbird. And I I looked up Hummingbird and one of its scientific name has Torch in it. it I can't remember which one it is, but it, it one of the scientific names uh, Hummingbird has is Torch. So that's what I chose to nickname him after, Torch. Okay, I did change pretty much everything from his history because there's like very little information about the Aztec mythology. Or I'm pretty sure there is a lot, but it's just I would have to do days of research probably. I just don't have time for that. So in my in my story, I based it off a this the comic universe that John had mentioned in the beginning that um I created. Uh the comic series was gonna be called Pantheon and I based it off that same world, the same universe. And um in this universe, uh Torch is not a normal god, okay? He's not like the a Greek gods or the Romans or the Egyptian god. He's not from this world. He's from a a pocket world. You know, it's not oh. a different universe or anything like that. He's strictly from a different uh, dimension in our universe. He just lives... There's just a, like a thin veil that separates his world from our world. And one of the big differences that Torch has than his uh, than his counterpart is that he has three other brothers. Okay, and um, I did come up with names for them, and uh, I I told John that one I am horrible with coming up names, as you can probably notice from our first episode, and me naming our my villains, but I gave them names. Okay, he has his younger brother. I call him Mask. It's a weird name, but I just went Mask. He has a... Um... Wait, is that Mask with a K? Yes. Okay. It's spelled just like Mask, like what you put on your face. Mask. I know it's a weird name, but again, I'm really bad at coming up with names. It's alright. <laughs> and he has um, two middle brothers. Uh, one, I call him Keen. And the other one, Zalis. Okay. What was that? Uh, Zalis. As Zales? uh, yeah, Zalis. Like like Gonzalez, but without the gun. No. No, spelled completely differently. But it's pronounced the same way. Some yeah, kind of. Okay. Zalis. I just okay. Okay. So, I did not only take influence from, um, Aztec uh, mythology. I also took some influence from Christ Christianity as well. Uh, I based the, the villain off of, uh, I am going to be very original here. I based them off the seven sins. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very original. I know. No, and it's, it's fine. <laughs> I know. It's just that everyone always goes with either the seven sins or the four horsemen. And I was like, well, I'm already dipping my toe into this. I'll just go for both. So I base them off both the seven deadly sins and the four horsemen. Okay. Are you and combining them or adding them together? No, I'm combining them. And before, okay. yeah, before you start thinking, I'm gonna have seven enemies or villains in this. I don't. I only have three, but they're oh, all they they, <laughs> they all have influences based off those um seven 
four, twelve. No, wait, eleven. Yeah, eleven uh, entities. Okay. Before I get to the villains, a quick backstory. Uh, I'll go into the backstory of Torch. Okay. So again, he's from a different universe or a pocket world, and he comes over to our world, and he comes to us with the power of a god, which is why they call him a god. So he created life in his area, and um, him and his other three brothers do the same thing. And they come over to our world, and they create their own lives in their area. So you have four different tribes in this general uh, space of land. Mm -hmm. And the reason they came over is because the one thing they love to do is play games with each other. So they're treating our land as a a game, you know, as as an RTS, you know, for those who don't know what it is, uh, that's a real time strategy game. So that's how they're treating our world. They make, they give life to the land and then they slowly, they play a game, see who can take the most land and who can take, well, basically who can take all the land at the end of the day. And so that's how they treat our world as a game. Now, they don't have physical forms in our world. It's they they appear almost as um, as phantoms, I guess. They 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 don't have the um, the pure pure energy to manifest as physical forms. So they they they, they kind of appear as ghastly in, in some sense. But um, they they fix that by building pyramids, okay? And they they give their powers to the pyramids to help um, hold them together. And act like if they they had a physical form, and so they they have these periods made for them, so they can um, uh, appear physical, and as long as they stay within a radius of energy that the pyramid emits, they they will keep that form. Once they get slowly further away, they turn into like a gaseous form almost. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so you explain the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I pl- explain the pyramids. Okay, and while also in this form, they don't have full power or full control of their power. Because, again, they give most of it to the pyramid and they they keep the rest for themselves. And so one of the ideas that this universe of Pantheon had is that the gods get their power through prayer or through worship. And so that's how they recharge themselves as well. They get their their subjects to worship them and pray them. Um, Some do it through just prayer. Other gods, like Torch, do it through human sacrifice. And so they sacrifice people in the name of Torch, and he kind of almost like rejuvenates himself. And so this goes on for years. This this chess game between who can who can conquer the most land or who can take the most land from the other brother. And it goes on for years. Until it gets to the point where Keen and Zolus start losing. Like big. They start losing a lot of their land. Okay, they're not super strong and they're not super smart. The strength goes to Torch. He has immense power. He's pretty, he's ex- exceptionally strong. And his younger brother Mask, he's a smart guy. He he knows how to strategize, and um, you know, always be two steps ahead of his other brothers. So they're they're winning. They're they're conquering most of the land if not majority of their brother's land. And that ticks the brothers off. You know, it, it they start raging, I guess, in the gaming sense. It's like, they're tired of losing, 
and they just want to end the game. They want to flip the table. And so one of the powers that these gods have is they can, I call it, they enter our world in which they possess, you can say, a human and they get full control of their powers, 100% of their powers. And some of y'all might be thinking, why don't they just always do that? Because yeah, there is they just always do that? <laughs> because there is a bad a back bad side to this. And that is in this form, they can easily be killed by another god or they can be killed by a human. It, it it's a lot harder for a human to kill the god, but it can be done. When they're in a gaseous form or their non-possessed form, they they don't die. They don't age nothing. But while while they're in a body, they you know, they can die of old, of old age. Of course they'll live longer than normally, but they can die of old age. And they can be killed by another god. Hint the only gods in this area are just the brothers. But, you know, they can still be killed by a human if the human tried hard enough. So they tend not to jump in bodies. Plus, while in the body, they could um, jump out of it. I call it banish themselves. But they get thrown back to their world, and they're locked out of our world for half a year. Ooh. And I'll and the reason, yeah, and the reason that's a bad thing is because if you're to just jump out and be locked out of our world for half a year, you lost the game in their in their sense. You lost all, their, all your land. So that's why they will never do that. As long as they're playing this game. But, again, the brothers tired of losing. So they decide to enter our world. And they possess their respective leaders' bodies from their, from their uh, city. And they only do it just to cause chaos. They don't care about winning anymore. They just want to flip the table. And so... They start destroying cities, lands, everything. They create a crater, like a giant crater, and um, and again, is that the Yucatan Peninsula. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and I guess so, I can understand where that giant meteor came from. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's they, they don't create that. The battle that leads down this path creates a crater in which because um torch and mask they they want to keep playing they're all about the game okay so they team up together and they enter our world they possess their their uh the bodies and they go and fight uh keen and zolas um the battle's long but with uh mask's strategies and um torch's power they're able to overpower them. They don't kill them, but they banish them. They most It's best described as they do an exorcism, I guess you can say. But they banish them to their world. Keen and Zolus, they don't return back because they don't want to play anymore. They're just angry. So they don't have... That's the only reason why they didn't kill them. One, again, they're their brothers. But two, they knew that they weren't going to come back because they didn't want to play anymore. And so at the end of the battle... Again, massive battle that creates the crater. Um, both Mask and Torch agree 
to also perform the banishment on themselves because they want they want a fair game they, they they don't they don't want this you know bullshit overpower thing no they they want to they want to win through strategy so they banish themselves and they're locked out for half a year everyone thinks the gods are dead and so they call it they call this day the fall of gods and so half a year passed uh, Torch and Mask come back to our worlds in their respective areas, and they start the game over again. And everyone's excited, you know. You know, our gods did not die, or at least two of our gods didn't die. You know, they're back, and so they celebrate this day. Uh, well, they celebrate the the day of the fallen gods, and they treat that as a day of peace. So on that day, every year on that day, there will be no fights. No battles, no war will be uh, done on this day. They will use this day to recharge and prepare for the next day. Okay? And that's important. Okay. That happens in the past. And so we jump into the future, and this is the current comic time. So this takes place around uh, 1400, somewhere between the 1400 and 1500. Okay? The comic. Yes. The, okay. Yeah, the timeline of this takes place somewhere between fourteen to 1500. Okay. It's one day before the fall of the gods day, which is the day of peace. And so Torch and Mask are trying to do all their, all their fighting, all their battles on that day. So when the next day starts, they, they have the day of peace. And so Torch, he's sitting in his throne. You know, getting information from his war chiefs, his generals. And one of his war chiefs comes in and tells him, Hey, um, there's 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 a little complications happening. And uh they ask him, you know, what's okay, what's what's going on? He's like, Well, we have some good news. And he tells them that we've taken about over one fourth of Mask's land. And so they're like, Great, you know, that's the most we've ever taken from him in years. And he goes like, yeah, that that's great, but there's um, there's an issue. He's like, what's the issue? He goes, we sent our messenger out, and um, we haven't heard back from him. He was supposed to come back uh, five hours ago, but he hasn't come back. Well, I mean, they're in enemy territory. Do you do you really think a messenger would come back? They're not trained to fight. They're not trained to battle. So probably just lost a messenger. Just send another one. And he goes. Well, that's the thing. When the messenger came to us, he told us that when our army went into Mask's land, there was no one there. And he goes like, well, what do you mean there was no one there? And it's like, well, okay, not no one. There was a few dozen civilians there that fought us. We easily cleared them out. But there was no army there. No, no guards. And he goes, well, I mean, a victory is a victory. We conquered the land. You know, just call it a day. We'll celebrate tomorrow on the day of the peace. And he goes like, well, I mean, no, because why hasn't our messenger come back? You know, there's no no one there to kill him. And that kind of confuses Torch, too. He goes like, okay, there's no one there. And, and Mask basically basically gave us this land then so he wouldn't do that so that means we fell in a trap 
you know, Zalas is, I mean, Mask isn't going to give us the land if he doesn't already know how he's going to get it back, if not more. So he goes like, you know what? Tomorrow, there cannot be any war. There cannot be any battles. Send, a, send the scouts. Have them survey the land. See what happens. If we did fall in a trap, we'll, we'll prepare for the next day and get our men's back. If, they, if any have survived, and take the land. And he goes like, okay, I, I guess. But what if, you know, what if it's not a trap? What if it's something else? It's like, like no, I, I know my, I, I know Mask. He probably just set a trap for us. We'll, we'll settle this all uh, tomorrow. And so the next day arrives and um, Torch sends, his, sends the scouts out. I'm like, okay, we'll send the scout out. Uh, we'll get everything ready for, for today. The day of Fallen Gods, we're going to do a sacrifice today. And um, as soon as the scouts get back, uh, we'll, we'll settle our plans for tomorrow. The scouts were were in task to go search and get back before the ritual or before the sacrifice, because no one dares miss the sacrifice. And hours past, scouts are nowhere to be seen. And so the war chief is like, uh, torch, uh, something's going on. Um, our scouts have a return. Only reason why is because they were killed. Mask broke our treaty. If if they don't show up by the hour you gave them, it's not because they didn't want to. It's because they were stopped. So, if they were if they were killed, Mask broke our treaty. You can't let him do this. And he goes like, no, he would not dare break our treaty. He knows what would happen if he breaks his treaty. He This is not him. And so he goes like, we'll do this ritual. I need I need to recharge. After this, I'll personally go and scout out. And so, he, they do the ritual. The sacrifice, uh, they sacrifice someone in the name of Torch, and he's rejuvenated. During this, he gives a speech. He he's giving the speech out that he always gives during this ceremony. And he, but he added a little bit extra. He give, he starts talking about the um, the victory they had conquering. Um, about over a fourth of Mask's land. Something they've never been able to do for years. And they're celebrating. Right before uh, Torch steps down. There's a big flash flight. And um, followed by a force of energy. And it's a strong force that even pushes Torch back. Which is a little bit weird because he's not a physical. But it pushes him back. And the war chief is like. It's your brother isn't it? Your brother has broken our treaty. And the war chief turns to look at him. And Torch just has this look to him. Like, say one more word and she dies. Kind of a look. And Torch stands up from his uh, from where he was. And he, he starts yelling to the wind. He goes like, Mask, we had a treaty. We both uh, decided that we were not going to enter the world. Okay, that we were going to do this. You know, fair and square, you know, by strategy. That you are not going to win through power, but through strategy. It's like, this is the promise we made. And um, he hears nothing back. He doesn't hear anything. But he's still yelling. Just like, the promise we've made uh, will be kept. So I I ask you once and only once to um, banish yourself. And I will give your people mercy. You know, I'll give them a quick death. You could come back in half a year 
and we can redo this again. Start over. Nothing. If you do not banish yourself, I will enter this world, and just like our brothers, I will fight you. But unlike what we did to our brothers, I will not show you mercy. I will kill you, and your people, and I will have you watch me kill your people. But nothing, he hears nothing. And then he's about to start a new sentence, and all he hears is like a loud screech. And it's like a yell filled with terror. And out jumps Mask from the woods. And all he says is, Brother! And he's confused. Because he sees Mask jump out of the woods, but he's bloodied. And he's like torn up, like clothes-wise. Is, is he in he's his torn. god form or a human form? Uh, he's in his... He's entered the world. He's okay. like, he's in a human form. And he's running down and goes like, they killed them all. They, they killed them all. They're going to kill. And then you see a spear just fly towards him and stab him in the back. And it's a, it's a, it's a spear. Just, it's black. It's like so black that it's looking at it makes you feel empty. It's like the color you will give emptiness. Just pure black. And Torch is like speechless. He's like, well, you know, what the hell happened? You know, someone just killed a god and it wasn't him. And he knows it's not his brothers because he would he would have sensed them entering our world. So he knows it's not them, but yet he was killed. And, um, so we see, we go back to his brother and he's laying there with the black spear through his chest. And then we see it pop out and fly into the woods. From the woods, a couple of seconds before the the spear flies into the woods, you see three figures walk out of the woods. And they're dressed to, I mean, they're completely dressed differently, differently from the people who live there. So you know that they're not from here. The best way I, I described it is that they're dressed like knights. Okay? One of them is dressed like a knight, like a paladin knight. Mm-hmm. The other two are dressed similar to what a war priest would wear. But um, they do have three cool things about them. And that's they wear helmets or masks, depending on uh, how would want this to be shown. Um, more of one wearing a helmet, the other two wearing a mask. But one of them is wearing a the paladin is wearing a you know a knight a knight helmet, but it has a cross through uh, on his uh, face. But you can't see his eyes because they're covered with some kind of like stained glass. The one in the middle has a, I guess like a is it like a voodoo doctor mask like the bird masks. Like they, oh, they the play, were wearing the Victorian? The yes, that. He has one of those masks. The uh, third brother, I mean the third um, being, has um, a porcelain mask. Like the ones that are fitted to the face. that mm-hmm. show no expression. Half of it is white, the other is black. Okay. And um, those three uh, entities walk out of the forest. The one that, the one that has the... Uh, Ivory mask, the one that's uh, fitted to the face, black and white. He runs up 
to torch. I mean, not torch. Uh, mask. And he to examine the body. And you know, he turns back to the other two beings, like, "Whoa, man, you you got him right through the heart." You know, I really thought that guy was gonna was gonna uh, escape from us for a minute, but got him pretty good. And um, you know, they're having their conversation, like ignoring their surroundings. And Torch is like furious. He goes like, "Who the hell are these people? And how the heck do they have the power to kill a god?" And so he yells out, "You know, mask, mask!" Because you kind of doesn't believe that he was killed, you know, and he's not getting anything back. And he goes, hey, "He's but he's yelling, mask, get up, mask, get up!" And uh, the uh, the plague doctor do, uh, being turns and tells him, "You know, shut up." Uh, he's like, "We're trying to take care of business here," and um. One of the the knights turns to him and goes like, "I wonder who that dude is," and uh, they're like, "Well, from what this uh, false god was yelling, I guess that's his brother." And he goes like, "Well, and from what that brother is yelling, I'm guessing this dead god is Mask." And then he turns and goes like, "Hey, you know, is this your brother, God, person?" And goes like, "You know, he's not answering back." He goes like, "Well, um." I'm sorry we killed your false god brother, but uh, we're we're gonna have to kill you too if if you're his brother. And he goes, and Torch is not saying anything. And he goes, um, by the way, before we do kill you, what is your name? It's kind of rude to kill someone when you don't know their name. Kind of feel bad I killed this guy since I didn't know his name. He's not saying anything. He goes like, well, uh, let me introduce ourselves to you. You know, and then maybe you can show us the same courtesy and introduce yourself to us. Okay, now, this gentleman to my right, he's a good brother of mine. We like to call him Glory. He He's a, he's a man that knows how to wield a sword and the power to wipe out an army. Now, my brother to my left, he's a little bit different. I like to call him Gold. He can fi- find the value of anything, use it to his advantage. Uh, now me, I didn't choose my name. My name was given to me by a very respected man and a very respected king. But you can call me God. And he goes, "Can you?" Uh, and then you know, Torch is like, "Who? Like these beings? Like how do they have this power?" I mean, what? His name is God. Another name is Glory. The other name is Gold. Well, my name is Torch. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> he goes, I'm just like, wait, well, hold on a second. <laughs> this sounds way too familiar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, uh, Torch is like, I don't care what your name um, are or what your name were given to you. I have many names, but today you can call me the Reaper because I am dragging you to hell. And he, uh, and so he, he tor- uh, Torch or the God he's based off of is known for wheeling two kinds of weapons. Uh, one is said to be a snake made out of fire. So, but I, yeah, that's what I basically 
made it just a whip that has a snake head at the end but it's completely made out of fire okay and the and yeah and the other reason why the other weapon he wields is actually why they call him a hummingbird and that's the dart the blow dart gun thing oh that's so cool yeah so that's why they called him the uh that's why his name partially translates to hummingbird because when he would use that weapon he was compared to a hummingbird so those are the weapons he's wield and so when he you know when he gives that a really cool line of you can call me the reaper because i will drag you to hell he enters our world and enters the body of the war chief that was with him and so uh you know from a distance all you see like a flash of light uh and his whip extends and they're like completely far away like hundreds of feet away but you see the whip just extend from top of his pyramid all the way down to the night and the night just blocks it and he goes and you know they're like whoa that's very rude of you you know and yeah that's very rude of you you know we're just trying to get it get to know each other i'm not gonna call you reaper sir because the only person that governs our death is my lo- my king and my lord lucy she is the only one that will govern my death you kind of know where that ties into is lucy lucifer yes okay no i'm just like i, I think that was <laughs> kind of obvious to me uh yeah and so um he goes like if you don't give us if you don't want to give us your name that's okay I don't mind. I mean, I I've already broke my rule here. I don't mind breaking my rule one more time. And so you know they start charging in, and um, but you know they're a little bit weakened from the fight they had with Mask. I mean, Mask wasn't really powerful when it came to using powers. He was just very uh, strategic. So I mean, he didn't like overpower them or anything. He just uh, always was a step ahead of them and used that to his advantage, basically tire them out. And they kind of noticed that towards the end of the battle. I mean, towards the bat while the battle was beginning. And so, uh, the torch is using his blow, blow dart, but not blowing darts. He's blowing, uh, energy uh, at them. And, you know, they're kind of having trouble, you know, withstanding the force. And so, um, the beings are like, Hey, you know, we should kind of retreat here. I mean, it, we just fought one false god. I don't think we have enough in us to fight another one. So, you know, they're kind of deciding on where to go or not. But God, the being named God is like, I kind of see, I want to see how things play out. I, I kind of want to stick stick in here. But they're like, you know, like now, I mean, we're, we're not immortal. So, I mean, we kind of need to, you know, get out before we, we die. And we would have to call him a reaper. And he goes like, you know, they, they don't want to go. But they're like, you know, there's nothing they can really do to get any closer to him. So they start retreating. Torch is like, you know, you're not leaving here alive. Or, you know, there's only, yeah, there's only two ways they're going to leave here. Dead or, you know, after they kill him. So he starts charging down. And they're uh, they're walking back into the into the um, the forest, and so all you see is like a big giant, the same color as a spear. Uh, you see a giant uh, like 
sphere, a sphere with a circle shaped sphere, like um, engulf the forest. And all you hear is a voice saying, you know, hey, if you really want us dead, come back. I mean, come look for us. We're not hiding anywhere. You just come find us whenever you're ready. Or we can come back and find you and kill everyone here if you want. But other than that, we'll, you know, we'll see you later. You know, almost like um, in a jerkish, very, um, you know, talking down way, he's he's talking to Torch. And a Torch full of anger just annihilates the forest, like wipes the forest out completely. And there's nothing there. Like, they just vanished. And um, that's when you see, like, okay, uh, they killed a god. And they're not even gods. How did do they? How did they do this? Maybe there's something else out there. You know, they've always been stuck to that land, so they're not really connected to the rest of the world. So they don't know that other gods existed, or yeah, other or that they even existed. Because as you go down the story, this this comic, you find out that there is literally no gods left. Zeus and the Greek pantheon, gone. Egyptian pantheon, gone. Norse mythology, gone. And there's like very few gods laying, laying around. They're all being killed. And um, so then Torch decides to set out and see who's doing this and who these uh, three beings are connected to. Which you find out ends up being, I think I said king. I meant to say queen because Lucy is a female in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like the first issue there uh, and when I did say that uh, the end, the villains here were going to be based off the uh, Seven Sins and um, the Four Horsemen mm-hmm. uh, I based off you know God, Gold, and Glory off of one of those Death is based off of Queen Lucy everyone else has their own horsemen that they're based off and uh, Seven Sins are based off of Okay. Uh, gold, yeah, gold is based off of the Greek. Uh, no, actually, based off of lust and sloth. Uh, the reason I base off uh lust is because I went lust off of you know lusting over something like being passionate about having something that somebody else has, and that's usually what uh a lot of people. Like they they lust over the life that like rich greed? people live. I I went I gave greed to the entity of God because of power. He's okay, greedy no. for power. I was gonna say no, and, and this is just like technically they're all you can interchange like the definition of all of them. Like yeah, um, like like, like wrath is just like the lust for anger. You know, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. When I was like doing my, as what you can say, research, they each one had somewhat of a like a specific thing they 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 tied into. Lust was more of a material thing. I thought greed was going to be, but according to my research, lust is connected to material things. So what's and, greed? Um, greed was not specifically connected to material things. It is material things, but it's a combination of everything else. Like greed for uh some uh, wanting someone else's life, 
wanted someone mm. else's looks, something like that. It wasn't just based off of material things. Lust was. So it's more Lust like was an material. envy or jealousy. Yeah, I also gave him envy. Gold. I mean, God. I gave him... Well, a gold, I gave lust only because people love money and right. love rich people. And I gave him sloth because... No offense to rich people, I think they're the laziest people. Don't tell them that. <laughs> um, gold. I mean, God. I, I, can can we bring Mark Cuban up on here one day? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark Cuban, just want to let you know, rich people, some of the laziest people out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also gave him the the horseman of famine, um, only because. There's always that saying that rich people can fix, um, um, you know, the hunger problem in the world, mm-hmm. but they don't because they don't want to. So that's why I gave them famine as well. Okay. Um, mm, uh, for God, again, I give him greed for power, uh, envy because you uh, people are envious of it, of his power, and I give him gluttony. Um, the reason I gave him gluttony. It's because I'm going off of the idea of that many um, in in Dark Souls video game. People who don't know what that is, um, there the is a uh, all time. yeah, <laughs> there is a god there that um his uh his idea is to become more powerful. You must devour, like physically eat stronger beings mm-hmm. to become stronger. And so that's why I based him, uh, God, off of gluttony. Because he devours energy to become stronger. I have a question about your pantheon. Yes. Is God the Judeo-Christian God, or is he a false God? No, he's, no. it's like I said, it's not a name he chose. He was given that name, God. Okay, no. He's not, he's, he's not God. I feel like... No, no. I feel like that's something Lucifer would do, to be honest. Yeah. Like, come up with your own... Like, de- uh, like, make your own deity, and you're like, you are God now, and then the gods are like, yeah, sure, whatever you say, boss. <laughs> no, no, this is not the real God, or, or yeah, not God that created everything. This is just a, a powerful guy, or powerful being, that was given the title God. And so, so yeah, and I also gave him the, uh, the Horseman of Pestilence, because, uh, Pestilence. Okay. Yeah, only because, because uh, God. <laughs> well, no, because I get because I was thinking of that. I I thought of that character as being like a wizard or sorcerer, okay. and just casting like, um, casting like uh, status effect spells, and treat them like disease in a sense. Okay, and then yeah, and then glory. I gave pride and wrath because those are the best things that connect to glory, and then I also gave him the horseman of. Uh, War, you know, because glory. Yeah, for glory. I mean, isn't yeah. that what people shout when they go into war? Glory. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Please tell me that's where that phrase comes from. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But um. Okay. But no, yeah, that is that will that is the first issue of my series. That was a lot in the first issue. <laughs> well, again, a lot of the stuff I I. I did in the beginning explain the, the the past. Most of that would not be included in the first issue. That's just backstory I'm giving to the listeners, so that whenever I describe like 
oh, what does it mean by entering? Or what does it mean about banishment? Or what does it mean, why is this, this treaty of peace? That like whenever those topics are brought up in the comic, then they get like a little piece of that um that the past or the backstory there. Okay. But mostly all of that would have been sprinkled in later issues as well. So this is the first time this is only the third episode, and this is the first time that I'm going to admit that I like your idea better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um partially I wanna say because it was fleshed out more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also because I really like your interpretation for this, because you really went all out when it came to like, you know, actually interpreting it. You know, like for me, it was just, it was almost felt like cookie cutter. Like it's the same story, but now you know it's just being told a little different. But I didn't go in depth on how it was being told different, because I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to play around more with like the with the uh, the mechanics of like how the gods yeah. work. No, I mean, the, that, that's what I liked about stuff. yours. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I mean, what I liked about yours—the influence of um, machine and how you know they're not really gods; they're just beings that just uh, come off of being superiors. Right, but no, I really like it. Like, like I was thinking whenever you were talking about torches, weapons, I was like, you're describing the like the snake, and I'm like, okay, if that was like an Anunnaki thing, like I would totally make the like a plasma whip <laughs> or like like a lightsaber, but instead of like the sword it would be like a whip it's like okay yeah. and like the like the the hummingbird the moment you said hummingbird i'm like i thought of the needle shot from halo yeah and i was just like <laughs> dude it's just fucking that it's just like and it's it fires so fast it just sounds like a hummingbird like flapping its wings yeah <laughs> <laughs> But, no, like, I really like that. And I really like how you brought Pantheon into this, because it's, like, Mm -hmm. I forgot about that story. Like, when we were, like, that was supposed to be, like, our next step in uh, Psystar. Like, we had Curse Quest, and we were going to do Pantheon, um, but we decided to scrap it because we just kind of lost interest in it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things, like, I think the, the real problem with it that we really had was that... We had two different ideas, I think, is really what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well, I didn't want to I mean, tell there's you that... that I wanted to stop doing it because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what what I was saying is just, like, I didn't, because I don't, I don't like telling, uh, telling you, like, you know, like, if, uh, like, if I want to stop doing something, I kind of just stop doing it, and then it kind of just goes away. Like, I love Curse Quest. I really want to mm-hmm. finish it, but I, I end up having, like, no time to do it. But for Pantheon, <laughs> it was, like, it is extra time I really don't want to spend on it because I wanted to tell, like, this sci-fi kind of story. And I was I was basically forcing the sci-fi story elements into your story. And I kind of didn't like doing that anymore because it's, like, it didn't feel like Curse Quest where it's more organic and we knew what we wanted to do. We were doing two mm-hmm. different things. And that's what this feels like. Like, we're, like, me telling you my thing and you telling me your thing, it feels very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, we both like to influence our story uh, with different genre. Like, again, I like fantasy, and um, you, you like uh, sci-fi. And the, it is a little bit hard, because, I mean, the reason why we never got done anything with Pantheon is, I think it's because of that, because we want to try to add so many ideas to please both sides that they just don't mix well together, you know? 
we're basically trying to do Star Wars, but it's it's not it's too much is being thrown in there, which I mean it's what Star Wars is, right? And it's one of those things. It's like the way you interpret a god in any form of media, it's it's usually done in a way that is specific to that story. And so, uh, I don't remember in, uh, like, how you per- portray gods. They're just, uh, the, what are, like, how would you describe them, more or less? Um, like, I mean, for me, I just see, <laughs> for me, I just see them as just beings that found themselves with power, right? I mean, you can probably even argue that there were once humans that just have yeah, found this power, and, um. But I, I see them all as being just, you know, born either with power, with this enormous power, or being gifted it. Right, and even in even with just those two basic concepts, they can be interpreted radically different. I think we did a good job today. I think so too. It actually went pretty well. Honestly, it went on a you know, not <laughs> as long as I thought it was going to because yeah. I know that uh, we actually kind of delayed this episode uh, two times uh, for our recording sessions. Yeah. Uh, cutting a little close, but... <laughs> I would say this is not going to be our most comedic episode. It's going to be no, more of a, a very passionate episode. Because, I mean, even while... I mean, because I, I, I told John that I have like 10 pages of just backstory for the character. And... I actually told him before we even started the recording that I actually just restarted. And I did that so I could condense everything down. And I did it down to six pages. And I skimmed, like, through most of it. So there's some information I didn't include in this. But, um, no, yeah, I mean, this is something I was, like, actually really passionate about. As if this was actually going to be a thing. But, uh, no, yeah, it's, you, you gotta have one of those moments, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> uh i'm not going to confirm or deny what we're going to be doing for next week because um we might just discuss that in private but uh here's a couple of options of what we might see next week um i don't know david uh did you want to uh expand on this a little bit more or did you want to just uh, drop it and try to do something else i guess over the week the few days if we can think of ideas of how we can extend this we can go ahead and continue this if not, we can go ahead and start a new topic. I mean, if and this this isn't this isn't set in stone or stone tech or whatever. That was a stupid joke. Uh, <laughs> if, if this if this somehow gets under the broadcast, I'm gonna murder David. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna repeat that uh, five times. <laughs> if you do that, I'm quitting. <laughs> um, well, no, guys, but... I guess it's just gonna be me and you. <laughs> um. No, but I was thinking it would be kind of fun where, like, maybe we could expand on the Pantheon thing, where, like, we, uh, not not the other uh, Pantheons, but uh, we might expand more on Torch and uh, his stuff. Maybe that would be kind of fun. And uh, I could talk to David a little bit about, uh, uh, like, adding some ideas of mine that I think might work for it. Or, this is, this, this is none of this is, uh, what's that word? None of this is uh, set, set in stone. stone. I was, I was going to say it again. I was trying to think of a synonym <laughs> for it. and then I, It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but, and this is just me, I really wanted to talk about something like this. Because I, uh, when I was coming up with the story for the Deluge 
uh, I thought it would be kind of cool to do a horror story too, where it's a bunch of people on a ship and they're all surrounded by this creature and they could die at any moment, but they don't know when and they don't know how they're going to die mm-hmm. because they don't understand it. Uh, Stranger Things is kind of around on Netflix right now, really popular. Um, and me and David are fans of Doctor Who. Some of us have been caught up, and I'm not calling out David, that's me. Um, <laughs> some of us... <laughs> I don't have time! It's all uh, good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, no, but one of the things about Doctor Who is that it brings horror sometimes to the table. And I thought it'd be kind of cool, and I know it's not Halloween, but I did, uh, but I did think it would be kind of cool... If we did our own uh, horror story, if you're cool with that, I don't know. I mean, that would have been my second option. Of course, I would have gone <laughs> a little bit more with the Stranger Things. Uh, get it? Because of Stranger Things. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'll cut this joke out, but I'll leave yours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, if that's, if the uh, progression of our stories, of our, uh, characters here is not as the second episode then yeah i would love to be able to do a uh, a horror story kind of a thing of course my uh, and, might be uh, even more thriller than horror <laughs> uh oh and uh it, it's one of those things it's just like um i i don't know how many ideas you've ever written down or how many ideas you've come up with or whatever but at this point i i'm just gonna basically kind of like go through my old stuff from when i was a kid uh high school <laughs> elementary school and kind of just like reinterpret them it's it's really weird when you read your old stuff and you're just like this is weird like really stupid mm, yeah but then you're just like this isn't that bad if i could make it better <laughs> <laughs> see i never wrote anything down so i lost all those good memories or good stories i I drew a lot of comics when I was a kid. I have a bunch of them. Like, I drew more comics as a kid than I have ever done as an adult, I think. <laughs> uh, a lot of first issues. Not a lot of uh, 20th issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can get the idea. So, th- it's this is this podcast, I feel, is just the same concept. It's just, sometimes you get, a, you get an itch in your head and you just, you gotta tell it to somebody. You gotta write it down. But you know, you you know it might not go anywhere. You just got to get it out somewhere. Well, uh, I don't think we're gonna argue or anything at the end of this one. Uh, I think we're just gonna <laughs> leave it like that. I mean, I, could, I can find an argument for you. Um, we don't have to. Um, I think John said in the beginning of the episode that he liked uh, Back to the Future. Uh, problem there, he thinks Back to the Future is actually good. That's a, that's a big issue here. Very big. Is your argument that my favorite movie is actually good? No, my argument is that you don't have good taste in movies, sir. I I don't have good taste in movies. You're not offending me. I like... <laughs> oh my god, we're going to lose so many... We're going to lose all of our subscribers uh, if we have any... We're going to lose all two subscribers. I liked, I liked the 2016 Ghostbusters <laughs> movie. Oh no, there they are. They're all gone now. I ruined it for everyone. <clears throat> it's all good. I mean, it's not like we're saying we like the Fantastic Four movies, which I do. The new one? What? Uh, uh, the new one? The new one? Yeah. Masterpiece, man. Should have won an Emmy. 
They oh, do, boy. They, wait, they win Emmys, right? That's not the Oscars? Uh, maybe it's both. Hey, um, I, I wasn't being ironic. Were you being ironic about that? Um, we, I mean, there's only one way to know. Make an episode about it. We're not ever talking. Okay, look, <laughs> I can talk about Paul Blart Malkoff because that's inherently funny. But I'm not going to talk about Fan Force Stick, okay? Never say never. Oh, no. I mean, come on. If Justin Bieber says it. Gotta no, be we're true. Done. We're done today, guys. <laughs> bye, everyone. Not doing it. Sorry. Uh, okay. Bye. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to our third episode of the Infinite Canvas podcast. Now, we already padded enough time at the very beginning of our intro and kind of covered a lot during the episode. This has been our longest episode, and we don't want to uh, waste any more time. So I just want to let you guys know that we will be back on Tuesday, November 28th, and me and David are already talked. We are going to be talking more about our myths. We're going to be expanding on it, making it a little bit better, fine-tuning it, and hopefully we won't have a third episode of this. I know that it's uh, really fascinating, but I hope you guys don't get too bored with uh, sticking around with too many topics. So we'll see you guys next week.